leaping off the page. This is the third Sunday of Lent, and we continue with this Lenten journey with Jesus Christ. The Lenten resource says, and I quote, Lent is that 40-day season when the church commemorates the time, the 40 days that Jesus spent in solitude, in silence, and in fasting in the wilderness. This time was Jesus' season of preparation before beginning his time of ministry. You may recall that the biblical story is full of seasons of 40, of wondering, of preparing, and facing the darkness. We find them in the biblical stories of Moses and in Israel's time of wandering in the desert before they entered the promised land. The 40 days are also found in the story of Noah and in Elijah's journey to Mount Horeb. And every year, then, Christ's followers are encouraged to embark on their own 40 days of journey into this darker season as a way of preparing to receive and share more fully in the contrasting resurrection light of Easter Sunday, end of quote. Now, the writing group in preparing for this resource, in preparing the leader, discovered that in the text for this season, there was an author, an author with a capital A, inviting people of God into this wonderful and grand story, inviting the people of God on this journey. In the ups and downs, as Larry shared with the children, in the ups and downs of life, in the pages and the chapters of our lives, and the journeys that we go through, God is with us. God walks with us. And we experience, we come to the end of ourselves. And we live then into the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We recognize that we cannot go on this journey by ourselves. I have read stories of persons who are lost in the desert and who are desperately in need of water, who have an intense thirst because it's the desert. They need to find water. And therefore, they see what appears to be pools of water up ahead of them in the desert. The mind plays tricks, and the traveler sees an oasis, sees a place, observes a place just ahead of where they are. They think there will be water. And then, upon arriving at that destination, at that place where the mind said there was water, and they believed that there was water, they discover 
with the devastating realization that their eyes were playing tricks on them. It was a mirage, a trick that was played on them by their mind. Water, water is a necessary liquid to keep the body from becoming dehydrated. We need to take plenty of water to stay well hydrated. That's what the prophet talks about in Isaiah 55, which I, and I've asked Don Good to share that passage this morning. Isaiah 55, verses 1 to 9. It will also be on the screen. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you, will, you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me, that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations that you know not, and nations that do not know you will hasten to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God or he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much, Don. So the prophet proclaims, Ho, everyone who's thirsts, come to the water of life. Come to the place where you will experience nourishment, where that water of life will bring refreshment and renewal to, from the very, every aspect, every part of your body. Sustenance and strength for the journey. And the prophet here is writing to the Jewish people who were forcibly deported from the city of Jerusalem taken all the way to Babylon. And here, if you want to uh, fill in the notes on the message page, you will able, you're able to do that or just jot some notes at the bottom of the, that page. That's fine also. So the Jews were taken on this 1,000-mile trek from Jerusalem to, to Babylon. And they were then in captivity far, far away from their homeland. And the prophet here in this passage laments that they do not search 
and they do not seek God in the midst of their pagan culture. Instead, many of the Jewish people had become rich. They had adopted the, the, uh, the customs, the morals, and the gods of the culture around them, of the Babylonian culture. And they have turned away from their roots. They have turned away from their Jewishness and from the laws that God had given to them. The Jews were being assimilated into the surrounding culture. The prophet Jeremiah also proclaims in Jeremiah 2.13, For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. So both Isaiah and Jeremiah use the image of water. And the prophet Jeremiah is saying that they've dug cisterns that do not hold water whatsoever. As Walter Brueggemann suggests, and I quote, the message of Isaiah is that he wants his Jewish listeners to heed his call to re-embrace their distinctive identity and so to retreat from commitment to the empire, end of quote. So the prophet Isaiah wanted the people to be ready to come back to Jerusalem once again, to, to be brought back after they had spent time in Babylon. There was a gnawing hunger inside them. While they had all the things they thought would bring them satisfaction, there was a vacuum. There was needs that were not being filled. They were left with emptiness. They were left with floundering. They were left without motivation for the presence of God. They were left without a vigorous and dynamic spiritual life. The Jewish people in Babylon were similar to the church in Laodicea, whose members said in Revelation 3.17, the first part of the verse, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. So they thought. But God says, God says at the end of the verse, God's view was very different. For God said, you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. So the prophet Jeremiah questioned the exiles as to why they had not kept the faith why they adopted the values of the people around them. And so he asked them, why do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? So that which is not bread and the labor that does not satisfy would have been the, the gods that they were worshiping, the pagan gods that they had gone after. They had become so acclimated 
so acculturated to the society around them, they were not paying attention to the one true God. In other words, the prophet suggests, return to the God of Judah and Jerusalem. Return, the prophet is saying, return to the God of your ancestors. Do not accept the culture around you. The scholar, theologian, Walter Brueggemann, writes about those who have colluded with the empire. And he writes, the way of the empire is a way of fear, scarcity, and anxiety that requires labor that does not satisfy and purchases that are not bred. Thus, Isaiah's listeners are summoned summoned to deal with the reality of God. God's way God's thought, and God's future that constitute a palpable alternative to the offer of Babylon, end of quote. So the prophet is saying, don't be so tied up with the empire. Don't be so caught up in this empire of scarcity and fear. Don't be so tied up with the empire. Instead, experience God's way and God's thought that is palpable. In other words, one is able to sense it. One is able to feel it. That is so present. That is God's way. So God invites all of us into the story of salvation. God invites us to experience the love of God and experience salvation from God. The story of God's grace and God's mercy. Because, as the prophet says in the last part of verse 7, because he will abundantly pardon. So as we become part of this grand narrative, the grand story, we become words that are leaping off the page and are leaping into our lives and are leaping into the lives of other people. We become those words that make an impact, that have an impact for the people around us. And rather than become, rather than the culture swallowing us, we impact the culture, we impact the society around us and the people around us. But let me hasten to say that the prophet is not only writing to the people to the Jewish settlers there in the land of Babylon, the refugees far away from home. The prophet is also writing to us, to our culture and to our society. We live, my friends, in a time of stressed out people and a time of stressed out kids. In her book, Overwhelmed, the title of the book is Overwhelmed, Work, Play, and Love, When no one has the time, journalist Bridget Schulte writes, quote, the average high school kid today experiences the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient of the 1950s. She goes on to then report that stress in children 
can alter not only their neurological and hormonal systems, but, she says, also their very DNA, end quote. And I'm thinking now of the Time Magazine article on Flint, Michigan, when I make this statement that we as a nation and that we as a society have not done very well by taking care of taking care of our children. We've not done very well by our children. We have sacrificed our children on the altar of financial gain. We are able to invent all kinds of gadgets. We are able to use and appreciate the smartphones that we have and that we carry with us and all sorts of technological advances. And yet, we are not very smart in the way we care for our children and also for the least of these who are part of our society. As Emily Heath writes in The Christian Century, she says, we focus on what doesn't matter first and we get around to what matters more than anything else only if we have the time. Emily says, we spend our money for that which is not bread and our labor for what does not satisfy, end of quote. I think you would agree with me that we live in a season, in a time when there's a heightened fear and anxiety in our society. And when bombs are detonated in one part of the world, we cast a fearful eye around us and wonder when they will happen here. Again, quoting Walter Brueggemann, he says, quote, It takes no deep imagination to see that this poem, Isaiah 55, continues its powerful summons in a contemporary way, even for us, perhaps especially in an election season that converges for now with Lent. The political rhetoric to which we are now relentlessly exposed is either A, to be very afraid and angry about a system that has not kept its promises, or B, have confidence in the restored system that will keep its promise of well-being and society and security. End of quote. But in the same way that God was at work and God was preparing to bring back the deported persons from the land of Babylon, to bring them back and for them to rebuild the temple, in the same way I want to proclaim to each of us, sisters and brothers, that God is at work in our messed up world. Now, God doesn't promise us, God doesn't guarantee that we will be safe from attacks. God, but God does invite us. God invites us into the journey. And also, we need to look to God for our strength. We need to look to God for our security instead of seeking it in the military might of our own land and our own nation.
we find in this passage of scripture that God gives us all that is needed for life. God gave the children of Israel manna in the wilderness. God gave them the bread that came down from heaven. They needed to collect only what what was needed for that day and no more. God gives wine. God gives gives the Israelites all that was needed to sustain their lives while they went in the wilderness. So God is gracious and God invites us to return to him, to return to God through Jesus Christ. God invites all of us into the story. Come, for he will abundantly pardon. Come, anyone who is thirsty, come to the water and drink deeply of that water. Isaiah proclaims that the Lord is able to to be to save from all sin. And he proclaims that it's the people's fault. If there's, a, if there's responsibility and an obstacle in the relationship between God and the people, the people are responsible. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. So the prophet is saying, don't block God's flow of God's grace into your lives. Don't block God's grace from washing away that sin so completely and allowing that grace then to energize and to meet your need. So the prophet is looking down through the centuries and he sees Jesus in the line of David. And he proclaims this in verse 3. He says, Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. Jesus Christ is in that line of the prophet of David. And so Jesus Christ becomes the basis of a new relationship with God in the same way, the unfailing love that God had promised to David. And this is described in, in 2 Samuel 7, 14 to 17, where David has promised that your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever Your throne shall be established forever. And David's throne was established by the coming then of Jesus Christ. And his son, God's son, was born in the ancestral line of David. And Jesus was born then to bring us freedom, to bring us freedom from fear, freedom from want, freedom from the things that do not satisfy. This is an invitation then to live under God's reign and under God's rule. Commentator Ivan Friesen says, quote, God's steadfast love enshrined in this covenant tradition has now been handed over to the servants of the Lord who accept his invitation to the banquet table, end of quote. In biblical times, 
a banquet was held when the temple was completed. And this custom is seen then in Scripture. As the kingdom of God is ushered in, we find a banquet in the book of Revelation, in the time of the New Jerusalem, that persons will be invited to come to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The reign of God will come in fullness and completion and will be a blessing to all lands and to all people. Jesus talks about this, about the banquet in Matthew chapter 22, where Jesus gives a parable of all the invited guests who who were coming to the banquet, but they spurned the invitation and they, they decided that they would rather go somewhere else rather than coming to the, and accepting the invitation. And so the guest list was revised. Go therefore, the host of the banquet said, go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. The Jews, God's chosen people, had rejected the offer, had rejected the gift, and the Gentiles are now invited, are now invited to the special gift of salvation, the gift of salvation, the life in Jesus Christ, this life that is completely free. Go ahead and put the, put that one up about the uh, the Jews. Okay, all right. Okay, thanks, thanks, Justin. The Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington D.C. and perhaps some of you have seen it is striking because of its simplicity. It's a black granite wall. And etched in that wall are the names of 58,156 Americans who died in that war. Since its opening in 1982, the Stark Monument has stirred deep emotions. Some visitors to this monument walk its length slowly and reverently without pause. And others would stop before the names on that monument and slowly trace their finger around the, uh, the names that are etched there. Perhaps remembering a loved one, a son, or a fellow soldier. But for two Vietnam vets, Robert Betker and Willard Craig, a visit, a visit to the memorial would be especially poignant. For they can walk up to that long memorial and find their own names carved in the stone. And because of data coding errors, each of them was incorrectly identified as killed in action. Dead but alive, listed as killed listed as dead, but yet these two veterans are very much alive, 
That's a description of the life that Christ offers us. A description for each of us. Because God has invited us into God's story. Yet we cannot understand. We cannot comprehend God. The prophet Isaiah says in verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The Jewish people were languishing and demoralized as they were far away from their homeland and their place of worship. We see this from the psalmist in Psalm 137, where the psalmist says, Beside the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem. We put away our harps, hanging them on the branches of poplar trees. The Jewish exiles, the refugees, did not expect to go home. Yet God was planning and engineering that they would. God was at work in the nations to bring about their home going. God was at work in ways that they did not comprehend and did not understand. Paul Hansen says, quote, Unless human beings cast aside their pride and smug confidence in their rationalizing defense of their position, unless they assume a posture of awe before the creator of the universe, they will not get the point that opens up to them the covenant of peace. The point that it is all free for those who confess their inadequacy of their own solutions and therefore desire to desire God's thoughts and God's ways. End of quote. In Revelation, God is seated on the throne. And God said to the thirsty, I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. I will give water. This theme of water carries through from the beginning of scripture to the end, to Revelation. Revelation. 